The following is Voices of Experience radio show and podcast. No promotional fees are paid by authors or other guests who appear on the show. If you have comments or suggestions, call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. Welcome to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. We are here for a, another great show today. It's been a while since we've been on live, so it's kind of fun to be back in the studio uh, with Eric Crema and, of course, Eric Ryder today. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. How about you, Eric? Yeah, doing good. Yeah, everybody have a good holiday? So far. So far, so good. <laughs> I, I, I interpreted that as, are you having a good year so far? The holidays were good, yet. So far, 2023, except for the confusion here. For you, Christmas gets, keeps going. <laughs> yes. My question is, when does the time clock run out saying Happy New Year? Oh, that's a good is point. Is it like, yeah. you know, January 21st, the 26th? It's You don't have a go into June. No, you do have to pull the plug on that at some point early on, I think, in the year. I did have an odd one this year, so, you know, that gap between say Christmas and, and New Year's, it's a, a week there. I was saying Happy New Year to people during that gap time, if you will, and I actually had somebody say, it's not the New Year. It, was, it really made them upset. It's not the New Year yet. I was like, okay, I'm just trying to say have a good <laughs> right. year. Wow. I guess you have to add the have a, have a Happy New Year. <laughs> oh, oh right. that's right. A little yeah, technical. Right. Yeah, that's right. He had a point. Yeah, I think. Uh, so it's all my fault know, is exactly. what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> Yes, if that's his biggest issue, he's doing okay. Yes. I'd have to say on that (laughs) one. Correct. (laughs) Correct. So um, we've got a great lineup today. We always say Mm -hmm. it. But this one, uh, we've got a really kind of jam-packed program. Stu Elway is going to return, and he's going to be talking about the Elway poll. You know, Stu Elway does a great job in looking at the state. We're going to be talking about the issues. The state legislature just convened on Monday. So what are the voters of Washington state. What are they thinking? What do they want the legislature to do? Mm-hmm. Shocking, but I'll give you a precursor to it. It's pretty much down party lines. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, really? Oh yeah. Shocking. That is a breaking news. Uh, we also have a man by the name Andreas Michaelids, and he uh, wrote a book called the Noom Mindset and uh, learn the science of losing weight. I think he had some good points. I kind of was reluctant to do this because, again, we're in the new year and everybody wants to talk about losing weight, and here we are again. But I think he had some really good points, and it's worth taking a listen to what he has to say. And um, now you have, and speaking of some New Year's resolutions perhaps, about your finances, and you have— Elizabeth Peterson. Yes. That's right. Yeah, she's— she was a wonderful interview, uh, and uh, this is actually my second interview with her, and we're, we're just going to talk about sort of the things not to do, you know, if you're in in panic mode, if you will. Okay. Um, just things to think about. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm certainly guilty of that, you know, second-guessing myself. I think that's why it's always great to work with someone who, that's their focus, right? Their career focus. Right. They can really help you. It's not like, you know, I'm going to go change all the electrical in my house. 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I might make it the first day, but <laughs> I'm going to electrocute myself at some point, you know. Right. And, you know, and maybe talk you off the ledge a little bit. Yeah. I asked my financial person about the potential if, um, you know, the debt ceiling is not lifted and we go through that fiasco again. What's going to be the impact? Because in 2011, the last time we almost defaulted, now we say we, Congress or whatever, the people mm-hmm. have the power to make the changes, uh, we went through a real rough spot in terms of the economy. I think the stock market dropped about 15% on the very last day. Yeah. You know, so we'll, we'll check it out and, 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 and look forward to seeing Elizabeth coming on the air. Well, and it's always amazing when you, you know how your computer is now obviously intuitive. So you, you might type in, what is the financial outlook for 2023? And then suddenly you're getting these articles forced on you, you know, sent to you. But there is a famous saying, and it's, it's if you want a thousand different answers as to what's going to happen in the economy, ask a thousand economists, because it, there really isn't a strong consensus. It's amazing how one who predicted XYZ 20 years ago is now saying this, and then there's someone completely on the other side. Yeah, it's very else. confusing. Somebody's right, very hard. right? Yeah, somebody's right. You flip a coin, it's going to come up heads, right? And maybe tails the next time. Voices in history. Today was a very, very big day, or I should say a couple of days ago, in the music technology that occurred this week in 2001. It revolutionized the way we listen to music. Do you guys have any idea what that is or was? Well, hang on to it. We'll talk about that when we get to it. If you don't have it, I don't see any heads nodding. I uh, think I know. Yeah, you think I th- you know? I, yeah. I know as you well. You think you know? Okay. We'll talk about that when we get there. And also... Edgar Martinez is in the Hall of Fame. I think most baseball fans know that. But on this day in 1973, the American League made a rule change which made that possible. Without it, Edgar Martinez, I don't believe, would be in the Hall of Fame. You guys know what that is. (laughs) I'm going to give myself maybe a 50% chance of knowing that. All right. Good enough. 50-50 again. Flip a coin. (laughs) I'll take heads. So, uh... The timeless classics for today, I'll just say that it's uh, from a Sidney Portier movie. And um, very mm. great mu- song. Uh, I really enjoy it, and I hope everybody else does too. And uh, for our comedy clip today, The Obnoxious Football Fan. And uh, Pat <laughs> Cashman of Peculiar Broadcast or Peculiar Podcast did this. It's funny, and I hope you enjoy it as well. And that's coming up a little bit later. Um, so, Eric, we talk to uh, about entrepreneurship, and yes. we also every week say to the audience that if there's something you would like to hear on the show, uh, call us. And somebody did, and she said that uh, she would like to hear about more employment opportunities for older adults. So you have something on that. Would you like to expand yeah, on that? Yeah, so Janice called. We th- Thanks, first of all, Janice, for calling in to the um into the phone number, uh, it, we announced it really at the beginning of every show, and it's no big secret. So if you have comments about the show or, or things you would like to, you know, directions you would like to send us, we'll be happy to hear what you have to say. So, Janice, this one's for you. Just sort of judging by your phone number, it sounds seemed like you're maybe on the east side by the uh, the area code. But um, Janice had basically asked, you know, I'm, I'm an older adult, and I'm thinking about you know, I'd like to make a little bit of extra money in my retirement and, and maybe it's also a social thing, right? Just getting out of the house, meeting new people, um, and challenging your brain. Uh, 
I know that's there's a lot of scientific data that says you know doing things like puzzles and um, doing new things that are not repetitive to your brain really actually helps you. It keeps you young, in other words. Uh, and so what I did was I did some research, but I really want her to understand sort of the gig economy. And things are really changing now in that regard. It's amazing. You see some of the ads where they're generally directed at, say, younger people uh, in just getting started in the workforce. But things like DoorDash and Instacart and things where you're delivering. The great thing about it is if you're hip enough to you know, use your phone in that regard, you're able to basically decide, I am going to make this delivery or no, I'm not. Or you know, It really gives you that flexibility, which I think is important for older adults. But uh, here was 17 great jobs from Indeed, the, Indeed, the, uh, the company that uh, has a wonderful website. Uh, and, and just think about these, Janice, and others uh, as to how they might kind of work into your lifestyle. So event usher. You go to any concert, things like that. You have any events usher that's showing you the way to, you know, to your seat, that sort of thing. Lots of uh, potential there. Customer service representatives are all over the place. Those jobs are highly needed right now. And I don't know if you, uh, Paul, have been out and about much lately, but it seems like customer service is sort of becoming a lost art. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, there's an advantage great. to someone who is an, of an age that, uh, and a, of a different era where it was really important, uh, and companies are looking for that. Data entry clerk, uh, maybe that's something you should look at. Tour guide, I like this one because, um, A, it's, it would be really interesting in my retirement to do something like that. And anyone that knows me, I get a microphone or, or an audience, I'm going to talk, right? So uh, if you have some experience and things like that, uh, look at uh, doing a tour guide. Other things like dog walker and driver, uh, these are all just wonderful options. And there's just so many more. The, the help wanted signs are out there, folks. So just do your digging. But check out 17 Great Jobs for Seniors. That's the title of this article. By Indeed. Well, that's great. And we're going to do this often on this show coming yeah. up. I think it's a great idea. And as a matter of fact, Eric, just uh, quickly, I read that the fastest number of people going into business for themselves, entrepreneurs, are people 55 and older. I love so it. So this is uh, very, thank you very much for that. Um, let's see. We have um, Steve Rabel coming up uh, in just a moment. And the things I want to mention on this is I had an interview with Steve Rabel on August 3rd, and we did an extensive interview. And the reason I want to bring a clip back, I asked him a question at the very end, and I said, Steve, how do you think the Seahawks are going to do this year? Oh, good one. And so let's play what Steve had to say. And again, this is when the uh, pundits were predicting the Seahawks to win maybe three, maybe four games at the most. Take it away, Steve, from August 3rd. Quick question. How about this upcoming yeah. season in the booth? What do you think going forward? Oh, I'm, I'm excited. I really am. I, you know, a lot of people are, you know, and, and rightly so, I think. You know, you start wondering, you know, who's going to be the quarterback because that is the most important position on the team. Um, but I'm excited. I, I, I've got a lot of new players to talk about. I've got some high-round draft choices to be able to talk about. I, I just uh, think it's, it's uh, you know, you hate to see Russ go. You hate to see Bobby go. But I've been with this team now. This is my 47th season as a player or a broadcaster. So I've seen a lot of players and coaches and organizational people come and go. And uh, it, it is what it is. It is the business. And uh, I, 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 
as great a player as Russell has been, and he'll end up in the Hall of Fame without question, um, I think it was time. And uh, I, I believe the same for Bobby. Bobby's a great player, and he may have another year or two left. But for the Seahawks to be able to really reset and get back to what they want to be, they had to they had to get some more players in there, some young blood in there, and they've done that. And that's why I'm so excited about going back into the booth this offseason and calling these games. Uh, so, and I've met all of these young draft choices. I had a chance to meet them the week after they were drafted. What a great group of guys. Smart. Most of them were their college captains. So that gives you a sense for their great leadership uh, capabilities, not to mention the fact that they're just great athletes. So I think it's going to be fun. Will we win, you know, 14 games? Heck, I don't know. Uh, nobody does generally win that many games. But will we be competitive? Will we win our share of them? Yeah, absolutely. So there you go. That's Steve Rabel making a prediction, which came true. The Seattle Seahawks are obviously in the playoffs this year. We certainly wish them well in San Francisco, or actually Santa Clara, if it doesn't wash away by uh, this Saturday. So anyhow, I, Steve is such a, a great broadcaster, a good person, been doing this for 47 years, and I think he nailed it. And it was kind of fun to reflect on what he projected because, again, that's when most of the pundits were saying three wins, tops, maybe yeah. four, if they're lucky. So yeah. um, back with Stu Elway in just a moment. When a flock of geese knocked out two engines on U.S. Airways Flight 1549 right after takeoff from LaGuardia Airport, who would you want in the cockpit? Captain Sully or a pilot on their maiden flight? If Captain Sully was your choice, then experience is important to you. And that's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. A variety of topics are explored, including local and national public affairs, self-employment, travel, lifestyles, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Now I Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score in the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Welcome back to Voices of Experience, and we have Stu Elway on the line. And uh, before we get into the interview, I just want to let you know that Stu is one of the uh, most respected pollsters, not only in the state of Washington, but the country. As a matter of fact, uh, we had him on the program during the election cycle in uh, November, and he was projecting that Patty Murray would win the election by about 12 points. Mm -hmm. A lot of other polls were saying, oh, it's a dead heat. And uh, Stu's poll came right out almost precisely as to uh, what it turned out to be. And he was, New York Times had a nice article about oh, that and, and what he was able to project because too many people are getting into this who don't know what they're talking about. But, Stu, you do. Welcome. Thank you. Good to be back. So we're going to be talking today about the uh, state legislative session, which started on Monday, and you've done some surveying of voters across the state of Washington. Um, I start out with this with you all the time, Stu. Is there anything that jumped out at you that uh, you were surprised at? Well, um, the, the, we, we do this same, uh, essentially this same kind of questionnaire at the beginning of each year. We've been doing it 
since 1992 now. Um, and uh, we asked people what issues the legislature should be focused on. And, uh, and then we asked them how they are looking ahead toward the next, uh, the next year or so. Do they think things are getting better or worse? So a couple of things. Um, one, we had a big jump in optimism because we do we ask that question every six months. And last July, we do what we call the Voter Outlook Index, which uh, combines people's look ahead for the country, for the state, for their community, and for their own household, and puts that into a single index. How are things looking better or worse? Last July, it hit an all-time low. It's the lowest it's been since we started asking it in, in 1992. And then in December, when we end of December, 1st of January, when we asked it again, it took the largest jump that it's taken in 30 years. So um, that was pretty interesting, I thought, that, that there's such a rebound from last year in terms of how people are looking ahead. Um, and then there were, there were uh, differences, however, by area around the state. Like back in July, all, of the, all across the state was under, underwater, uh, negative scores uh, everywhere. Uh, in, in this last reading a couple of weeks ago, um, the, the uh, Puget Sound area was all in positive territory on the index, but eastern Washington and western Washington, not in the Puget Sound area, that is like southwest and the Olympic Peninsula, were still uh, 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 pessimistic. Uh, more people were pessimistic about the future. So I thought that was uh, an interesting uh, breakdown. Uh, on just how things are, are looking ahead. And then we had big difference between Republicans and Democrats. Uh, most Democrats said things are looking better for all four of those components, country, state, community, and household. And a majority of Republicans said each of those four was looking worse. So, so, uh, uh, <laughs> so they didn't disagree with that about party lines or to be happy or sad. I mean, well, yeah, everything, all the issues are yeah, divided, you but think so. there you and, go. And we even had a difference in uh, Republicans and Democrats uh, telling us whether inflation had, had an impact on their household. Uh, Republicans said it had a significant negative impact, and Democrats said, no, not so much. So even, even things that are uh, you'd think would be sort of objective measures differ by party, which is kind of tells you where we are these days. Certainly. Uh, it looked like about a quarter of the people responding to the polls said that public safety, ranging from crime and drug use to firearms, that was their top concern. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And crime was the, the top uh, particular issue in that category. Uh, the top category was the economy, uh, people talking about the cost of living and inflation, and then housing costs were most of that. The single most uh, cited answer, and this was an open-ended question. We asked people, what should the legislature be focusing on, in your own words? Homelessness was the number one with 22%, and that's been uh, at or near the top for uh, quite a while. So um, homelessness, 
uh, cost of living and crime. If you put a one, two, three, those are the ones that that people think the legislature ought to be talking about. What do you think about the uh, actually the members of the House and the Senate and how they are, you know, coming together? Are you optimistic they'll be able to get some things done, or is there going to just be at each other's throat throughout the whole session and get nothing well, done? Well, you know, unlike the the U.S. Congress, uh, which is very closely divided, which makes it hard to get things done. The Democrats uh, actually have a, uh, a larger majority in both the House and Senate in this state, and of course they've had the governor's office for 10 years now um, than they had last time. So um, in one sense, the, the, the Democrats should be able to get quite a few things through because the Republicans uh, are in a, in a weaker position than they were even last time. Mm, uh, and we don't have the filibuster and some other things like that. So, so uh, it's, it's possible that the, the Democrats in the state will be able to uh, enact a lot of their agenda. Uh, Stu, this is Eric. I have a quick question for you. Uh, when you th- when you're thinking about the actual questions that you're asking, how careful do you have to be about the language, so as not to influence it one way or the other? I would imagine a lot of thought goes into that. Yeah, we have to be very careful. Uh, I mean, that that is, you know, the, the pollsters like to call this an art and a science, and mm-hmm. the the art is in the question wording, and in a question like the one we were just talking about. What issue should the legislature be focusing on? That's not, no, that's not so much. Uh, that's, that's, it's an open-ended question, and you kind of leave it general and let people talk. There were several other questions in this survey about particular proposals, and particularly the state budget, where you know the, the average walking around citizen is not thinking about the state budget in any kind of uh, specific terms. Uh, mm-hmm. And so when you call them on the phone or, or text them, um, you have to be careful to give them enough information so that they can answer the question. And know, you know, they know what the question is, but not so much that it's going to uh, bias their answer one way or the other. And in issues like the, the budget, for example, or almost any proposal, there are usually two sides. If, if Republicans and Democrats, if left to their own devices, would word the question differently. Um, well, that's kind of still what happened in the national polls or in the, like for the Patty Murray yeah. uh, race. They kind of did that. The party, uh, the Republican Party, essentially put out a poll saying that it's a dead heat. Yeah. And that kind of uh, worked against her because then a lot more money came in from the Democrats to help Patty Murray. Right, and 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 she ended up spending it in her own campaign instead of uh, she she could have helped other Democrats um, uh, around the state, but uh, it sort of spooked them. It looked like to uh, think maybe maybe we're this is closer than we think it is. So yeah, you have to be very careful about that. Good question, Eric. Anything else before we go, Stu? Uh, no, you know I think people are are. Uh, in a surprisingly uh, pretty optimistic mood, but there's still these issues that have been hanging around for a long time. And and there was support for the governor had a proposal to address homelessness that got pretty good support. Um, uh, Republicans don't like it so much, so we'll see how that plays out.
As always, Stu, thank you very much for spending time with us again. And we'll be back in a couple months to revisit the issues as the session goes on. All right. Talk to you then. Thanks. Thank you, Stu. Okay. Bye now. So now we're moving to the next segment as we move along here. And um, this is one, as I say, the comedy clip. i got to come with a better name with that. <laughs> this is a comedy clip, you know, we'll call it. But anyhow, it is Pat Cashman and Lisa Foster, and they host together a uh, podcast called Peculiar Podcast. And this came from their segment on December 15th, and it's called The Most Irritating, Least Interesting Fan in the World. Take it away, Eric. He is seated behind you at every Husky home game. He will be there today. Sun devils suck! Sun devils suck! You moved your season tickets to an entirely different section of the stadium this season. Hey man, those cheerleaders are hot! But he was still there, seated behind you. Hey, check this out! No, wait, wait, I got a better one! <laughs> That's what I'm talking about! And even though alcohol is not served in Husky Stadium, oh, yeah! he always seems to be filled with it. <laughs> He's obnoxious. Are you going to eat the rest of that hot dog? He's annoying. I got allergies. <laughs> He's embarrassing. <laughs> Sorry. He is the most irritating, least interesting fan in the world. I do. Do not punch him. Restrain yourself. Stay thirsty, my friend. Come on, you guys! Make a tackle! <laughs> so what do you think of that one? Huh? <laughs> That's good. Isn't that, you know, it, it's, it is, we've all had that experience where you do have a fan behind you like that. Yep. But can you imagine if you bought a season ticket for $10,000 uh-uh. and you go to every game, you're into it that much, yeah. and someone else has a season ticket behind you <laughs> and is like that, what do you do? And I have actually heard there have been some pretty big conflicts on that scale uh, yeah. that, that do occur. But uh, anyhow, I'm glad. That's uh, what, you know that saying, you can, you, you, what is it? You can pick your neighbors, but you can't pick your family. There's a situation you're not picking your neighbor either. <laughs> neighbors yes. with you for the season. That is so true. That's so true. So um, anyhow, thank you, Pat, very much for that. And again, um, Lisa Foster, which uh, co-hosts this peculiar podcast. And again, all you need to do is Google that. And sometimes I have difficulty deciding which one to play because they're all so good. It's just gold. So uh, anyhow. So we're going to move on in just a few moments and be back after this break. And you are going to be uh, talking to your guest today. I'm looking forward to hearing that in just a few moments. Sounds great. And welcome to this edition of Spotlight on Success, right here on KKW AM 1150 and AM 880 KIXI. Thanks so much for your listenership to these stations and to this segment. 
Really appreciate it. Hi, I'm Eric Crema. In studio via Zoom is my guest. Her name is Elizabeth. Elizabeth Peterson is a CFP, CRPS with uh, Morgan Stanley. She's a financial advisor, and I want to welcome her to the studio. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? Thank you, Eric. Thank you. I'm wonderful. Thanks for having me. You are welcome. I have to know, what is a CFP and a CRPS? Happy to share. CFP is Certified Financial Planner. Not every financial advisor is a CFP. That is a studies, a certain amount of studies that you must do on all the comprehensive elements of financial planning. I see. So not just investments. There's lots of other elements. And then you sit for an exam and you must pass. And then you must have a certain amount of experience already. And then you must keep up with your ethics and your uh, continuing education to be a certified financial planner. And then CRPS, I had an interest in um, small business owners who don't readily have a 401k handy. How do they prepare for their own retirement and that of their employees? So that is Chartered Retirement Plan Specialist, as there are several different types of ways outside of a 401k or a 401k might be an option too. Interesting. Okay, great. Well, I think you're going to be a little smarter than me on this subject, so that's why I wanted to have you in the studio. (laughs) We've actually talked on a previous occasion, and you're a wonderful guest. So what I'd like to do is talk about um, mistakes that people make, let's say the top five mistakes that people make in a down market. Uh, I know I certainly have. Um, Maybe you have a list of these you can help us out. For those audience members who are contemplating this in their mind, what do I do during a down economy? What do I do if there's a sell-off? What are some kind of common mistakes? I know everybody's different, but common mistakes that, say, an average investor would make in these situations. Number one mistake is to panic sell. Hmm. And this can happen even in an experienced investor's um, decades of investing because when you are looking at your investment portfolio or your 401k that you have taken years to build and you see it take a sudden dive, there is this urge to stymie those, the bleeding and, and do what you can to salvage what's left until the dust settles. That, that urge is very strong. And ironically, this can be the single most detrimental thing an investor can do. Understand. Uh, how about a, a remedy to that? What, what would be the opposite then? Well, you need to take the long view. Money in the stock market should not be cash that you need today. So if you do not need this cash today, and you know you're in a well-researched, diversified portfolio, you've got to realize that the downturns ultimately are temporary. And, you know, sometimes the market feels like it could go to zero, but market history shows us that rebounds can return many portfolios to the black in only a few years. And I, I tell clients personal experience I have with that so they can relate to it's not just words, it's, it's really temporary. So that's number one, people. The, heed that warning. No panic selling and research those Correct. investments. <laughs> How about number two? And number two is we tend to, as investors, want to go to cash and then worse yet, stay in cash. 
And what this mistake does is it further compounds the damage of the panic selling. So they could seem very similar, panic sell, go to cash, but there's actually an extra nuance in, in going to cash. Sometimes a panic sell, you still re-diversify into something stable value or bond-like. But actually going to cash, what that does is the, the strong rebound in stock and stock prices that tends to follow a market downturn should underscore how that bailing out costs you when the market does reverse direction. So there's something we want to do to help fix that if we did accidentally go to cash or maybe maybe we have too much cash in our portfolio, period. Interesting. So if I tell you about the what we do, it's a term lots um investors and non-investors might have heard before, it's called dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is putting in a set amount of money into the market at a set time interval. So say, for instance, we look at this cash pile we've created and we put in 5% or 7 or 10%, depending on how long you want to take to get back in the market. You put in that set amount, maybe monthly, And what this does is over time, it reduces your sensitivity of your portfolio to the luck of timing the market. And it's a little bit easier for a fearful investor so that they don't have to worry about putting a big chunk in and then seeing a sell off. Right. I know that's helped me over the years as I look at my own 401k as I was happy that I was investing in those down markets. Right. Right. Because dollar cost, you bought it low sometimes. Very Mm -hmm. good. Good job, Eric. Yeah, thank you. Let's keep going. So, all right. Number three is we get overconfident and we make poor choices. Um, I personally avoid this one because my investing philosophy is to hire out that stock management. But many people will overestimate their ability to judge when a stock is a great deal at a certain price and they kind of anchor in that price and say, well, it'll get back up to it. And what that can do is create extra losses in our portfolio. Even professional advisors can get overconfident. So the average person certainly can as well. Um, The thing here is profiting from a short-term trading is a lot more difficult in practice than it seems. Gotcha. Yeah. And it can give you that false sense of security and, and wow, I'm a great stock picker. Well, maybe you got lucky just once. You don't know. Well, those are those stories in Vegas, and you keep going back, right, (laughs) because you had that one good time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the the way to to fix being overconfident or what to do instead is remembering that short-term profit making is really much more difficult than it sounds. So we roll in to number four mistake? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. We have three minutes left in the program. All right. Uh, They dig a deeper hole by trying to make up for those losses. So, you know, we loathe the idea of selling a stock when it's down, but sometimes it's down and it's only got further to go and we need to cut our losses and look at what opportunity that tax loss harvesting can create or maybe a Roth conversion while the portfolio size is down. So those are things we can do to make up for where we're at. And then number five is we forget to rebalance. When stocks go down, tend to bring the bond value or the cash value of our portfolio up. And we need to do that rebalancing automatically. In a 401k, you can set it up to go quarterly or set your own, you know, 
program on your phone that reminds you you need to go in quarterly to rebalance because studies have shown that this generates a better overall return in the long run doing the rebalancing. This is all wonderful information. Um, anything else you'd like to add at this point? Uh, there, I didn't do the shameless plug, but on several of these, they can be avoided if you have a financial advisor in your life because they can help you see, see you through those difficult times and remind you to keep focus on your goals, not what your monthly statement says. I think, too, that might be important because it takes that emotion out of the situation. I know for me, I'm, I like to think I'm pretty good at radio, but I'll tell you one thing, I, I, I can't fix my car all the time unless something is minor. Right. So I go seek out an expert for that. Um, and so right. why not just do what you do best and then seek out experts to help build a plan on things that you're not as savvy on, right? Well, at least just a sounding board, a teammate. Because you hire them doesn't mean all of your knowledge and opinion is gone. Instead, you work together. And I agree with you. I don't do my own car repairs. I seek out, <laughs> and it's worth the price I pay. There my end results are better. There you go. <laughs> when you hit the brakes, they actually work. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time. Uh, how can someone reach out to you if they'd like to learn more about what services you have in terms of financial planning? I would happy uh, be happy to answer any questions or take those calls. My phone number at my Tacoma office is 253-597-7583. 253-597-7583, and I'll be happy to answer your questions. Wonderful. And if you miss that, just reach out to me at the radio station. I can put you in contact. I think you get a sense as to why I wanted Elizabeth to come back here. She's just so approachable, so knowledgeable, and uh, uh, that's a double threat, right? approachable and knowledgeable. That's what you need. Thank you for those kind words. (laughs) Take care. Have a great, uh, great season as we head into all the holidays. And Elizabeth, thanks again for your time. Thank you, Eric. Elizabeth Peterson is a financial advisor with the Global Wealth Management Division of Morgan Stanley in Tacoma, Washington. Any information presented is general in nature and not intended to provide individually tailored investment advice. The strategies and or investments reference may not be appropriate for all investors as the appropriateness of a particular investment or strategy will depend on an investor's individual circumstances and objectives. Morgan Stanley and its financial advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. The individuals should seek advice based on their particular circumstances from an independent tax advisor. The views expressed herein are those of the author and may not necessarily reflect the views of Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, member SIPC, or its affiliate. You just received some startling news. You're going to need brain surgery. But the doctor also says your prospects for total recovery are excellent. The doctor is very confident with his prognosis. He's performed hundreds of similar surgeries during his career. Who would you choose, this doctor or another doctor who's never performed this type of surgery? If the doctor who's performed similar surgeries is your choice, then experience is important to you. That's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. Topics explored including public affairs, self-employment, travel, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Welcome back. 
to Voices of Experience. And again, we have hit our segment for today of Voices in History. And uh, this is for January 11, 2023. However, on January 9, 2001, just a few days ago, but happened in 2001, Apple launched iTunes and Steve Jobs is credited, credited with the iTunes success. The record labels were losing money due to internet piracy. Jobs made a deal with the five major record labels, and they were off and running, and iTunes was up and going. Now, I asked you at the beginning, yep. was that what you thought? Yeah. Eric Rima thought yep. that? iTunes. Eric Ryder? Yeah, that's Both what I was thinking too, yeah. Which led to the iPod, Exactly. Right? And radio as an industry was really fearing the iPod, so much so that Clear Channel at the time, uh, Clear Channel said we need to do less is more, meaning more music and less talk. And now we've kind of come back around. Interesting. Because you can find music anywhere, right? Well, that's right. I remember that now, the revolution kind mm-hmm. of in that area, arena. And it's interesting how radio, when someone does that, like a Clear Channel yeah. or a station in New York, like when they took smooth jazz away or jazz, everybody mm-hmm. follows mm-hmm. and everybody does the same thing. And sometimes just hold steady. Yeah. And, I, that uh, is, but that that's is, not what radio industry yeah. does many times, except for this station, of course. Oh, we and were flawless. Media we're flawless. Never made a mistake. <laughs> but all the rest of those Miss clowns. smooth jazz, though. And of course right. it was. <laughs> I do, too. It was a direct reaction to uh, things like Napster being out there and people uh, sharing their music for free on the Internet mm, that right. – uh, iTunes had to come around some kind of paid service where artists could get paid and record labels could get paid because uh, otherwise there was this huge hole in the market that was being filled with the Napsters and LimeWires of the world. Sure. So you say it was a money thing. It was a money thing. That's <laughs> Follow right. Follow the money. There you go. On January 11th, so that would be today in 1935, Amelia Earhart departs Wheeler Field in Honolulu, Hawaii, on a solo flight to North America, a Hawaiian company offered $10,000 reward to whomever accomplished the first flight from Hawaii. After traveling 2,400 miles in over 18 hours, she safely landed in Oakland, California. Wow. Do you remember that, Eric? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> That's a good shot. <laughs> All right. well, no, but you know what? I can do that. I'm older than These you. These days, it's probably she probably did it quicker than the airlines do today. With right. all the screw-ups. That's very true, <laughs> especially what's happening today. On January 11, 1973, the American League adopts the designator hitter rule. Did you get that one? Yep. Okay. Eric Ryder, did you get that one? No, I'm not a huge sports guy, so all right, I want right. to know that one. Well, it's, um, now you know. You now I know, talk yeah. to all your friends who are the non-sport guys. Next trivia night. You can say, hey, did you know about this? <laughs> but I, I make that leap because Edgar Martinez became a designated hitter for the Mariners, but then made the Hall of Fame. And there was a debate about that, whether a guy who just was a designated hitter should make the Hall of Fame. But uh, hmm. enough people said yes. But I don't think uh, Edgar ever would have done that had that rule not been changed. Um, I'm just going to do one more quick one. And this is kind of an interesting one. On January 12th, so that'd be tomorrow, 1969, at the Orange Bowl in Miami, the New York Jets of the American Football League defeated the National Football League's Baltimore Colts 16-7 in Super Bowl III. I vaguely remember this, but I do remember that Joe Namath, the quarterback for the Jets, guaranteed a win. He said, we're going to win this game. Mm. And why that is so incredible is no one in the planet thought that was possible. 
the um, the Orange Bowl, you know, hosted this event, but the Colts were by far, I mean, 45-point favorites. No one gave the Jets a, right. a chance at all. And then you got this guy, kind of a cocky guy, saying, we're going to win this game. And, and again, is he crazy? You know, and stuff <laughs> like that. But they prevailed 16-7, to and uh, it was kind of interesting. And the only other time I saw that in my life was when someone made a projection like that, which everybody thought he was crazy, was when, when Muhammad Ali said that he would beat Sonny Liston in a fight, I believe, in 1964 or 5, somewhere in that era. And Sonny Liston was an incredible fighter. He had all the mm-hmm. popularity. And then Muhammad Ali, this kind of crazy guy over in the corner, yeah, right, you're going to win this fight. And he did. And he won him a second time. So those are the two that I thought are interesting. Love it. Yeah. That was a good one. You know, well, you talked earlier about you know liking you know the small guy coming out mm-hmm. on top, and that's why I think we love sports. When things like this happen, you shake your head and go, pretty unbelievable. And look, it's in the history, and well, I'm still talking about it from 1969. It was well, and incredible. I don't, I don't know if you've watched this show. I believe it's on Netflix. It's Peyton's Place. I haven't. So Peyton, I remember it was a show back in the 60s. Never watched. Yeah. That, but go ahead. No, this is all about mainly football. Oh, is it? Okay. And uh, it's Peyton. Oh, Peyton. Peyton Man. Okay. So Peyton, Peyton's place. I've heard of it, yes. And he does a great job. And whoever does the editing on this, so check it out. I will. I remember the episode where he's he's interviewing Joe Namath about that game. And they go into all kinds of details, things you've never known about the NFL. It's crazy. Right. Recommend it. Right. Okay, well, good enough. Thank you for that, Eric. So um, we're going to be coming back with an interview in just a moment. And we're going to talk about the Noom mindset. So according to um, this uh, individual I had the opportunity to interview, Andreas uh, Michaeletes, he talked about the Doom Mindset, and I think I mentioned earlier that I never heard of it. My wife had, so I guess it has some legitimacy. She said, yeah, it's pretty good. But it's uh, core drivers of body weight loss. We're driven by what we eat and how much we move. So that's kind of what he gets into. He's going to talk about it, so let's just get right to it. The Noom Mindset, could you just summarize what that is? And also, how is this plan different from other diet plans? I'll start off by saying that the book is is really the the work that we've done over the past 14 years and learning about you know behavior change and uh, applying behavior change in our with our approach. This is really just us putting it all on paper and then kind of giving uh, the audience the the latest and greatest of what we found has has helped uh, people. This is not a, a really not a plan. It's not intended to be a, a prescriptive approach to to weight loss or anything like that. Um, it's really a, a set of skills that we, uh, we've identified as being really important to somebody who's trying to change their behavior to make meaningful uh, improvement to their, uh, to their health. So in a sense, this is like changing your behavior, as you just said, and that's what it takes for something like this to stick. I mean, you have fad diets, you have different approaches to this, but as you said, it's not a plan per se, but it's a lifestyle change. 
That's exactly right. Yeah, it's not in no way. It's a is it a fad diet? It, it, the idea is that it's a it's a lifestyle change that with the skills you can apply those to even more areas of your life. Noom's mission is to to help people everywhere lead healthier uh, lives through behavior change, and and really that's what we're intending to do is to to help our, our our audience lead healthier lives through behavior change. You know, I read years ago, and and this is something that um, in terms of looking at approaches to different things, and Nike, their brand kind of said is just do it and then things will mm-hmm. work out but I think you have a little bit different uh, concept that uh, you're trying to get across with a noom uh, mindset sometimes it's difficult to just do it you might have heard somebody say that you know I know what I have to do I just I just can't do it or it's just really difficult to do and if that's a thought that resonates with you that's the kind of audience that would benefit from this book it, it really is teaching you different ways that you might be falling into as far as your thinking goes. It allows you to overcome personal barriers and even some environmental barriers that might be making it difficult for you to uh, achieve uh, uh, the lifestyle that you want to achieve. What would some of those barriers be and how do you go about trying to overcome those? Let's say a personal barrier is the voice in your head that criticizes you every time you make a mistake. It's a pretty big barrier. And so even understanding that uh, understanding that your interpretation of events or the impact the impact that thoughts have on your motivation and and what you will do is really 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 powerful. And so even quieting down that voice or changing your internal dialogue can have very meaningful changes, you know, for many many things that you'll that you'll do in your life. Other uh, variables could be environmental variables you know, you might want to change your lifestyle, but your partner, you know, doesn't. Or you work somewhere where there are constant triggers that are antithetical to what you're trying to achieve with your health journey. And so, um, so the idea is to, to help you develop skills and strategies that you can experiment with in your life that can help you maybe make some of those changes and take control uh, over some of those things. So looking at some habits around the core drivers of body weight, what we eat and how much we move, they go hand in hand from, I think, what you're saying. What we eat definitely does uh, have an impact on our weight. The biggest impact on movement is probably less having to do with weight loss per se and more having to do with, with stress and, and overall me- mental well-being. So yeah, so there are a lot of different components to, to weight loss and to, to behavior change for you know, sustainable lifestyle change. I saw something about cultivating a growth mindset. Could you explain that? So a, a growth mindset is has to do with believing that your efforts uh, will increase your uh, abilities versus uh, something like a fixed mindset is believing that your abilities are, are fixed. So, so one example is, you know, let's say um, I'm trying to learn a, a new language and I'm, you know, really new to this language and I'm practicing it, you know, trying to do a good job. And I meet somebody who speaks this language that I am trying to learn. And when I speak to them, they laugh or they criticize me or they say something funny and that makes me not feel so good, right? So if I had a fixed mindset, um, I might look at that experience as a, well, that's part of the process. You know, I, I don't know how to speak the language well, but I will learn and, and I will get better and I will um, uh, improve. Uh, upon that versus somebody maybe with a more fixed mindset might say, well, I'm not good at languages, so I'm not going to learn languages. So just thinking about things differently can can make a really big change on, on how you interact with the world. And how about overcoming thought distortions? What is that about? 
Flood distortions are different kinds of traps that we sometimes fall into uh, when it comes to perceiving the world and how you um, how you interpret it. And they can be really debilitating. They could be really, really debilitating. Understanding that the thought that you have about the world is potentially distorted or there's some sort of not necessarily truth to it can be extremely powerful for stepping back and viewing the thought so that you're not bought into it uh, all the time. Thought distortions are, I would say, mental traps that we fall into sometimes uh, when it comes to trying to change uh, our perception of things. How long has Noom been around and I guess how many clients have you had in the years that you've been doing this? Yeah, so we've been around, Numa started in 2008 uh, and has evolved tremendously over, over the years. Uh, we've helped uh, millions and, and millions of users um, over, over the years uh, find very meaningful success with our program. Okay, so really it's a lot about, you know, your mindset, but it really starts in your head, your brain. And if you're going to be successful, and also I read that you can use this in other areas than just weight loss. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The, the, these skills are not just for, for weight loss. Uh, the skills are meant to help anyone change a behavior that is you know, aligned with, with their, their, health, their health journey. Also with the idea that we want it to be very sustainable, nothing fat about it kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, th- these are skills that you can transfer to many areas of your life. You know, I was uh, talking to my wife just before the interview, and we were both talking about she was familiar, more familiar with, than me with Noom, and she was involved with it and was very mm-hmm. positive about it. And uh, But one of the things that we mm. were both saying is that so much of this is a lifestyle shift, but you have to get that in your mind first. And it's all sure. re- about really creating good habits. And if you commit to that after a while, you will change your habits where it's going to be very hard to go the other way. You cross that line, and then right. your, the new you will look it back. And it's no effort anymore. I mean, it's just the way you're, you're living as a lifestyle. Yeah, that's right. I mean, habits, they, they take time to, to develop, and they're difficult to, to change. But you're absolutely right. The, the, the more you do it, you know, the easier it becomes. So that, that's absolutely right. All right, so we are out of time for today. I'd like to thank Eric Crema, Eric Ryder, and all the guests today. You were all fabulous. Quote of the week, don't promise when you're happy. Don't reply when you're angry. And don't decide when you're sad. Ziad Abdenauer. 